work tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here, man, it's, yeah, your schedule just seems busy now. Oh, sorry. Go for it. Yeah, yeah it is pretty Already busy. messed up the introduction. No, you're good. I mean, we had to wait for it to, you know, count down. But, yeah, hey, everybody, welcome back to my YouTube channel, uh, Upload Past Crossroads. You're probably watching the playback of the video on my podcast, Upload Past Crossroads, on my every podcast platform you can think of, Apple Podcasts, Google Chromecast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, stuff like that, Anchor. So check me out on Upload Past Crossroads. And also, you're probably watching on my Facebook page. I'm streaming live right now on Facebook, Sean Christopher Jenkins, also on LinkedIn. Sean Christopher Jenkins. I'm streaming on Twitter right now. Trouble Don't Last. Those are my Snapchat, Instagrams, TikTok threads, my other square page, my underscore day, my square bottom, my tongue page, Trouble Don't Last, number one. All right, so we're about to get into it. So if you go to my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads, you see I have a whole lot of playlists on my YouTube channel, a whole lot of things. So uh, I got my boy Justin Lee Howell here today. Uh, me and him do a lot of videos together. He's my Scotty Pippen. He's my main guy, my go-to. Like, without him, you want to get as many videos as you get from me on my YouTube channel or my social media pages. So thank him for that. So if you want to see after we do this video, you're going to see that it's epic. And just me and him together are just a dynamic duo. So if you want to see more videos of us together, you can scroll down to our podcast on my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads, and see all the playlists I've done with Justin. Uh, and I mean, all the videos I've done with Justin. Then his YouTube channel, Shopping's Logs, and then his Facebook page, Justin Lee Howell. But let's go ahead and get to the video. So as you guys know, on my YouTube channel, Upper Pass Crossroads, one of the places I started is about this book titled, you know, The Old Testament for a Complex World. Um, I want you guys to see the whole thing. Yeah, The Old Testament for a Complex World. And then it said how, how the Bible's dynamic testimony points to new life for the church. So it's by Cameron B.R. Howard. That's a woman, by the way. I know that's a weird name for a woman to have. I, bet, I guess they just changed their name. That threw me off, too. Right. All right. And so like this book is amazing, man. So this book just talks about how um, how the Old Testament isn't irrelevant, how the Bible isn't irrelevant. So there's a lot of myths and misconceptions and lies that go around about, uh, you know, what the Bible is and what it means and how to teach it. There's anything like that. And if you have those miscon misconceptions, it's going to lead to you distorting the message behind what the Bible's trying to convey to people, what the Bible's trying to convey to the world and all that kind of stuff. So that's what the title's saying in this book, you know, how the Bible's dynamic testimony points to new life for the church, but not just the church, but for this complex world for everybody, man. So Justin, you can say what you think about the book too, if you want. Um, yeah, I think I said before, but I think this is, it's been a really good book because it's put into context the like um the culture and just like what the like the times during like the old testament because a lot of times we just say oh the biblical times and it's such a huge umbrella term but this mm -hmm. is showing like what were what were these scripture what was the scripture like during this old times and how does it translate to our times as well because a lot of people think like if it's too old it's not applicable but this book definitely shows like how timeless a lot of stuff from the old testament is right yeah and so that's what we're going to be talking about in today's video. So, again, uh, this is a book breakdown. We did a lot of these on my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads. We're going to do even more. And it's mostly books that I've read in seminary or just me and just books that me and Justin just read just to read because we like to read. All right. So, yeah, so this is the book we're going to break down for today's video. All right. And then if you want to go to my YouTube channel, you can see even more videos of books that we've broken down. But, yeah, I'll let you guys do that. I'll talk about more of that at the end of the video. So this is the book we're breaking down. So if you go to 
the different chapters that this book covers. It's a really small book, and it only has five chapters in it. Um, mm -hmm. The, the uh, chapter we're focusing in on for this video is Adapting a Popular Culture. That was actually my favorite chapter in the book, and that's for my class presentation at seminary school. That's actually the chapter I broke down uh, for the class in my uh, student presentation on the book. All right. And so, yeah, basically this author, she's just given like different um, different ideas and methods of teaching the Bible, how we should approach it. And it's a case study just giving out different suggestions of how you can apply these lessons to your ministry and stuff like that. So obviously the author's talking about a lot of things in this book. But I want to talk about this. So today's title of today's video is New Ways of Storytelling. So I'm going to take a few excerpts from the author's uh, book, uh, Cameron B. Howard's book. Um, and we're going to just, you know, talk about those excerpts from her book and really break them down and stuff. So on page 103 of her book, and that was in chapter four, by the way, developing a new genre. It ties into chapter two for me. And so me and Justin are going to talk about in this video how we need to talk about new ways of teaching the Bible. So like, I want to give everybody a picture and ask everybody a question. Like, is church boring for you? Is the pastor that you have to go to church to listen to every Sunday, is he boring or is she boring? Like, how's your method of teaching and stuff like that? Like, is church dry for you? Is it depressing? Like, is it a waste of time you feel like? So how do you feel about church and like your church specifically or like your church home and stuff like that? Because uh, I feel like most people, especially millennials and anybody younger, like we just hate church because it's so dry and so dead. And one of the biggest reasons why is because people are taking the Bible and doing the same exact thing with it that, that probably turned them on to the Bible, that probably got their juices flowing with the Bible, but it doesn't work that way in the day's time period, in the day's age, with this new generation of people, right? And it didn't work for millennials, so it's definitely not going to work for the alpha, betas, and whatever comes after that, like those future, those generations after millennials, like, so... Um, yeah, so what new ways of, uh, what new ways, new innovations, new methods of teaching the Bible have you experienced that you loved and you wish that your church did more of? Because that's the type of age that we live in. Like we have to change the way we teach the Bible and stuff like that, but still preach the same message, but just change the style. Like Vincent said, I'll share uh, what he said in one of his posts later on, but, um, yeah, I really liked his comment in our last video when he said that. So, uh, Justin, if you want to say anything, you go ahead, man, because I'm just talking. Yeah, and I really like how I really like how you titled this too. It's like new ways of storytelling mm -hmm. because, like, I feel like that still is a good way to connect to people is through stories. Um, my wife and I were listening to a couple of sermons today in preparation of our church training. And I commented, it was really interesting because both sermons started off with a story uh, just to relate with the lesson. Mm -hmm. um, one of them had to do with like this woman had shingles and it was, she was able to relate that to uh, like sin. So it's, uh, it, it was like, um, it, was, it was like such an easy analogy as well. So it's, it's not like we have to um, necessarily abandon the method of storytelling, but I definitely think uh, if you look at the parables and the stories in the Bible, those were, those were geared specifically for the people back then. Like Jesus used metaphors for um, shepherd keeping or sheep keeping, shepherding, 
uh, farming, agriculture, like things that people would understand back then. Like he used a very complex, he, he used like, he was trying to portray like a complex ideal, like the kingdom of God into earthly terms that we can understand. So as the world changes, like naturally our stories need to change with it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just helps us relate to those stories a lot better. But I like that the title is like new ways of storytelling because like storytelling is just such an efficient way to connect with someone, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say too, like, um, I'm going to use an analogy. I've always thought about it and it makes no sense to me. Like, why? Well, at least the Emmy church does it. Like, so one problem I have with the Emmy church, and, and that's called the African Methodist Episcopal Church. That's the denomination I'm under. And like, I like, if I had to choose a denomination to be under, I would be non-denominational. But like God literally gave me the heart to help out the body of Christ that's the weakest. And I feel like that's the Emmy church. And I feel like they're the weakest because um, in that denomination, they think that uh, because they're Emmy, they have to do the same exact thing all the time, 24 seven, every single time they're together. Cause that's what makes them Emmy. So their tradition is to, always make sure we do protocol and do the same exact program no matter where we're at no matter what the program is all the time so like we always have a call to worship we always sing about two or three songs every worship service then we have announcements at the very end the benediction at the very end obviously the sermon but like then but even before that's fine right that's what everybody do but then we have the decalogue Sometimes they read, most of the time, they read like all 10 commandments, at least once the first Sunday of every month. Um, but even if they don't, like they're still going to do the Decalogue or abbreviated version of it. Then they're going to do, there's just certain stuff that they do and the sayings and chants. And so it, it could just, at least for millennials and people younger, it just drives us mad. Like why we got to do this every single time? Like especially for a kid program, like for a kid program, no. That should be the last, you don't do that. Like, you know, so yeah, they're not really flexible when it comes to changing things up and like doing new ways, new methods, new innovations and stuff like that. So I'm gonna use an analogy with you guys to show like how it doesn't work, like why you shouldn't do stuff like that. Like be flexible, man. You gotta learn how to adapt. You gotta change the method of storytelling that you're doing when it comes to preaching the Bible, when it comes to preaching a sermon. You can't preach the same sermon every single week. Mm -hmm. So like, that's another thing. Like one my uh, exes, uh, I don't know why I wanna even bring her up. Just forget I said that. Once I know a person that uh, at her church, her pastor preached the same exact sermon every single Sunday that he'd done the past year, right? Especially for holidays. So for every Christmas service, he preached the same exact sermon. Or for every, uh, uh, what's it called? Pentecost or Passover, Easter, that's what it is. For every Easter message, he preached the same exact sermon. So like, um, and he's been there for like 22 years. 28 years, maybe longer, maybe 35. Like that, if you do stuff like that, like how you gonna, how you gonna reach people? You know what I'm saying? Like you ain't putting nothing in, how you gonna get something out, right? If you're not putting your best foot forward, how you gonna get, why you expect a return back? You know, and that's the enemy way. And honestly, black people like that. I'm black, so I can say stuff like this. Woman's conception about black people is like all black people are lazy. And I agree with that to an extent only because like, when it comes to the AME church, they're not willing to put in the work to do things to reach everybody. They just want to do what they want to do. It's always like this. So it has to be like this. They're not willing 
to do what it takes to reach every single generation. Because if they were, the fruit, you know, the proof would be in the pudding, right? You'll know them by the fruit. And as of right now, that's not happening. So I want to throw all that out, but then also do this too. One analogy I've always been thinking about, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Like, just imagine if you listen to the same exact song. Pick your favorite song. I don't know what your favorite song is, but pick one of your favorite songs. I don't care what your favorite song is, how much you love it. If you listen to that song every single second, every single time you blink, of every single day, it will drive you insane, and you're probably going to hate it, right? Because we can only take so much of, of things, right? We all have, like, a threshold, like, when it comes to something. Right, like same thing. Like for example, for me, I had oatmeal cream pies a lot when I was little, and I had it so much because my mom kept on buying it. Now I hate it. Like I can't. I don't even want to taste it. I don't even want to look at it because I get disgusted by just thinking about it because I had it that much. Right. Same thing for lunchables at one point, but now I'm, it's not as bad as oatmeal cream pies. Like I'll never eat that again. But lunchables, I, I'm flexible with that. But yeah, you get what I'm saying, Justin, like listening to the same exact song all the time. And that's how some people preach the gospel. That's how some people present God. That's how some churches, that's their ministry, just doing the same exact thing all the time. And what's that saying? Like to do the same thing over and over again makes you insane. Like that's what insanity is. Uh, right? Not quite. Uh, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect different results. Right. And that's literally again the same thing over and over would make you insane. Yeah. Yeah. And that's literally some churches, like in some denominations, they do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And then they're going to get the same return they had during a time where it was a different time with different people, a different generation of people. It's just different. Right. And it worked. Like it led to like, um, what's it called? Revivals and stuff. Oh, like yeah. That. But, like Jesus Revival. Yeah. Yeah, but the way that they started it and the hearts that were ready to receive all that and stuff, like it was just a different time period. Like it's a different equation, a different variable. It's totally different than the day's time period. So what worked before may not work again, right, to get the ball rolling, to have revivals and stuff like that. It's a different way, different method, different different uh, sense of making and storytelling that needs to happen in order for, you know, revivals and new life and and just, you know, the Bible to be preached and stuff like that. We're about to talk about that in today's video. All right. So, Justin, if you got anything, go ahead. Like, I, I, that introduction was so long. No, you're like, good. I'll give a short one since we, uh, so we can jump into the meat and potatoes of it. It's like, yeah, like uh, just to use, um, just to use Sean's analogy too. Like the Jesus revolution was like um, a good example. It's like, that was the time when like hippies were, uh, not rioting, like protesting the government, protesting like the current generation and like, but the church during that time, the church was the same. They were like uh, bigoted. They were like um, stuck up. They thought like the world was lost, but there were like some select churches who had a young group with them. And they, they recognized that, uh, the hippies then were just like, they were looking for love. They were looking for uh, truth. They were just looking in all the wrong places, like drugs and sex and uh, uh, hedon uh, a hedonistic lifestyle. But um, when they realized, like, uh, when they tried to connect to the hippies by recognizing that they were looking for something new, like, that's what caused, like, the revolution. That's what caused, like, a huge influx of people.
people during like the 1970s, 1980s. It was just because instead of instead of like treating it as in us versus them, they found ways to like connect the message in a way that the younger generation could understand. And I think that's like we need we're needed of another Jesus revolution now too. So if we yeah. do that, we have to figure out how can we connect to um, others? How can we not make it an us versus them mentality? Like, how do we right. change that story? Well, my bad. I got gum on my phone. Like, I keep on putting my... I want to on gum right now, but I don't... I can't talk into on gum at the same time. And let my... Before, and that let my world... You know, my words mm -hmm. get cluttered and stuff like that. But anyway. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and get to it, guys. So we're on page 103. And again, for today's video, the focus is talking about uh, new ways of storytelling, right? So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get to it. So Karen B. Howard, in her book, The Old Testament for a Complex World, on page 103, it reads, what new genres, new ways of speaking, storytelling, and cis-making are arising to articulate new and life-giving ways of moving through God's world, right? So I want everybody to think about that question when we go throughout this video, right? What new genres, new ways of speaking, storytelling, and sense making are arising, right? To articulate new and life-giving ways of moving through God's world. That's what I want to talk about. Like, what new ways are arising right now? And I asked in our last video, that's the most powerful question ever to ask. I asked, um, is the church right now, believers right now, like, are we using new ways new technology new innovations like does our innovations match the world's innovations like does the way that the church uh, the way that the church their methods of as a whole as preaching the gospel reaching people is it on the same level or less or further ahead than the methods that the world use to get their messages across mm -hmm. and right now i said in the last video that the, the world is beating us by a landslide. Like think about how many distractions we have, right? Like when you think of Twitter, do you think about Christian posts? Do you think about the gospel being preached, the gospel being reached to everybody? Like Facebook, like I keep on naming social media platforms, like YouTube, do you, do, is that a place of, you know, the gospel? Like, oh man, the word, of, you know what I'm saying? Or do you have to look for like a Christian movie or something to get that? Or they got a new, uh, it's called like Pure Flix. Have you heard about that, Justin? The It's like a Netflix for Christians. And it's only Christian movies and Christian shows and stuff. No, I haven't heard that. Yeah, it's called Pure Flix. So like, all right. So nobody's heard of it. That's my point. You yeah, heard yeah, of Netflix. You heard of Hulu. That's a good, but good like, example. <laughs> so like, that's my question, guys. Like, is the church right now as a whole, like, are we meeting the quota when it comes to like reaching people, teaching people, like with new tech, new ways of storytelling, new genres, new ways of speaking, like a new sense of making the gospel relevant to people. Like, how are we doing with that? Because the world's doing that. We can't say they're not like horror movies. Are they exact the exact same as they were in 1920s? Like, no, they have evolved tremendously. Like action movies, are they the exact same? No, Star, Star Trek even used to have like aluminum foil as they're like moon and you know, planets and stuff like that. The graphics are crap. Spider-Man even. They tried to do Spider-Man in the 60s and 70s. That was way, way too much for them to do at that time. Even the Hulk. 
Like they had a bodybuilder be the Hulk in 1970s and 80s. Yeah, and then like Spider-Man, like, man, he couldn't, there's no video game graphics in the 70s and 60s like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? So like, it was a human being trying to be Spider-Man, but a human being's limited. Like, you know what I'm saying? So like, he was saving cats on trees. Like he wasn't doing Spider-Man things that we see now and like movies don't don't mention cartoons you know what i'm saying like we see a lot like spider-man doing a whole lot you see what i'm saying like so the world has evolved with the technology with the innovations with the methods of storytelling now how is the church doing right believers so Justin, i know you got something i'll let you go ahead and say something we're going to keep on going to the excerpt yeah i think it's a i i do find that interesting that you're talking about that because i was I was watching like uh, I was reading like Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, "Be Useful" self-help book or something. I got it for my brother for uh, Christmas because he wanted it. But it was interesting because he was talking about like the effort and the detail that got some of his movies by like James Cameron for like Titanic, and it's like you have to you really have to like know your audience and figure out like what's what they want what do they pay attention to like what are the fine details that you need to do because it's a as sean said like just repeating the story over and over would get boring like take the spider-man movies for example like they they can't show like the exact same plot every time no they've since i've been alive i think they've had like three Oh, you see that you it's going bad. <laughs> yeah, I hear you now. You see, you're talking about the Spider-Man movies and you said how they uh, had like three different plots or something. All right, so as Justin figures out that, guys, I'm gonna go ahead and just uh, just get start talking again. I was trying to retweet this uh, live that, I'm, that, we're, that we're live on. But yeah, go ahead, Justin. You want to keep on going? You're talking about Spider-Man and the three different movies. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, no, not three movies. Like three different Spider-Man. It was like okay. Tobey Maguire, uh, Andrew Garfield, and um, Tom Holland. Oh, I'm surprised I remember those. But yeah, it's like each one brings something different to the table. Because like if we had the same person every time. Oh, Miles Morales, I guess. He, the, he's yeah. So like four different Spider-Man. So um, if you... Um, I don't know if they told the same story, like people would get pretty bored with that, but they, they put in the effort to like come up with something new. Like, like James Cameron, he, he gave backstories to like every extra in his film because he knew that would make it more authentic. It's like you put in the work and the details to the stories. You can't repeat the same thing over and over. And those details need to involve like what do what are the problems of this generation? What are the things this generation can connect to for the stories? Uh, someone was telling me like how we understand our Jesus as our savior uh, is directly related to how we understand what he saved us from. So in order to know that, like we have to understand like how is sin affecting our world? Uh, what are the problems our world are going through? And because of that, like, that allows us to connect with the stories more i think so like all the details all the storytelling are very important 
Can you say that again? How we understand Jesus as our savior is how we. Yeah, how we understand Jesus as our savior is directly related to how we understand what he saved us from. I'm sure it was something shorter and snappier. That's that's the best I can remember. But I, I really like that though. It, it does put into context, like we don't know, like, we don't know we need to be saved until we know like what we need to be saved from. Right. Yeah, that's deep, man. Oh yeah, like I didn't make it I didn't come up with it though. <laughs> I mean, but like just taking that quote, man, like um you can't articulate like the best teachers I've had, like who's the best teacher you've ever had? The best teacher you've ever had, every student will have an A in the class. Every student will understand the subject matter. And because the teacher articulated so well and so profoundly in a way that everybody got it, everybody understood it, right? So literally the hardest class, everybody could have an A in if they had the right teacher teaching it. Like if the teacher actually had that gift and that ability, right? And that's a bold statement to say, but that's how good a teacher is. Like I had one class, just I don't know if you had a, an example like this, but in college we took uh, a prerequisite for calculus or yeah it's a prerequisite for calculus like we had to basically we had to take this prerequisite class if you didn't score high enough in math but this class was like a middle class between algebra and pre-cal and calculus i think it was like pre-cal or something but like this teacher man is a hard subject you know everybody didn't really understand it. It had to have been Calculus 1. I think it was Calculus 1, actually. So, you know, a lot of people flunked Calculus 1. But, like, anyways, this teacher took this hard subject with all these students, some of them bad, some of them great students. You know how classes are. And literally everybody in the class understood how to do every single problem because this teacher would take one problem and he will do it in 10 different ways. So he'll just change the number of whatever the – math is all about a process. It's a strategy. Like based on how equations worded and how our equation looks, there's a certain method and path you have to take in order to get to the right answer. And all you gotta do is see an equation to figure out the approach to it. And sometimes there's multiple approaches to it, but mainly it's only one approach, one way, one method, one road you take to get to this one answer from how this equation is set up, right? And so he would take all he would do is change the numbers and change the it, but it'll be the same, uh, same, same equation. Let's word it differently, but it's the same. So everybody would see it, see about five different. Um, he'd try to teach, teach us five different methods of mathematics or something, right? For Cal one, and he'll do you know ten for this question, ten for this question, ten for this question. So basically, all you had to do, he did it so much that everybody had it memorized. So even if they didn't study, they remembered the method behind going through it, right? They remember the visuals that he gave. And all he did was change the number, right? So everybody, every single quiz, every single test, every single assignment, everybody had 100. And this is in college. It'd be different if it was elementary school. No, this is college, right? So <laughs> this is how great that teacher was. And so if somebody really understood the gospel, if they really understood Jesus, if they really had a close relationship with God, this is a bold statement. No matter what the message is, no matter what the Sunday is, no matter who's there or how many people are there, their method of storytelling could reach anybody. And not just that, mm -hmm. they will break it down in such a way that everybody gets it. 
they want to know Jesus. Everybody wouldn't want to know God. Now, is that true? No, because you know, some people now everybody had some people's hearts are harder. They're, no matter what you say, Jesus could come back right now. They'd be like, Man, that wasn't Jesus, that was a hoax. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you see what I'm saying? It's just gonna be unbelievers and there's just people like that. So that's that's a different equation. I'm talking about like in churches though, like when you're teaching the Bible and teaching the gospel, right? Like if you really were saved, you'd be able to reach somebody and tell somebody and paint the picture in such a way that they understand God more. Like they they get they get a better path to Jesus, to God, because of what you said. There's you're method of storytelling, right? So basically I'm trying to say, like, if you don't really know him, your method of storytelling is gonna suck. If you don't have a close relationship with God, no matter how great you articulate something, even at your best, when you think you're in your zone and you're on fire, like it's not gonna touch you or reach anybody because you don't know them, right? So, and that's why so many churches are dead. That's why so many denominations nobody wants to be a part of because the people don't know him. They're talking about him. So that goes with what Justin was saying, how we understand Jesus as our savior is directly related to how we understand what he saves us from. So if you don't really know what he saved us from, how are you gonna tell somebody you need to be saved? Because like you need to be what you need to be saved. Well, I need to be saved from something. I don't I'm my life's fine. Like so how are you going to articulate that if you don't even know what Jesus has saved you from? If you don't believe that Jesus saved you from anything, if you don't have a testimony that Jesus has saved you from anything. See, that's where the method of storytelling comes about, right? New ways of storytelling. We can't say that God saves everybody the same exact way. That is not true. Now, does he save everybody? Yes, that's, that, that method of storytelling is the same. But like, is it the same exact way? No, like <laughs> we're all different. Everybody's life's different. Everybody's experience is different. It's, everybody's race is different. Everybody's country is different. So it just, it's different. So our methods of storytelling have to measure up to that. It has to paint that picture that God is not in some kind of box, right? And that's another way of what denominations do and churches do, especially in any church. Like, the, okay, but this ain't just the Emmy church. This is really everybody. So one example is like with the Holy Spirit. We think the Holy Spirit can only work in this way. God can only work in this way. He can only move in this way. So you limit God to this little one way. When he's everywhere, he's anywhere. He can do anything. He's God, right? So they think you can control the Holy Spirit when you can't. Like You think you can tame the Spirit, and you're trying to tame the Spirit by telling, telling God how he can work when it's God. The Spirit of God is God, right? The Holy Spirit is God. He moves and has his being in this world. How are you going to tell him how he should operate? You can't. He's God. So, but why do you think you can? See, see, uh, that's what I was trying to say, like, earlier. Like, a lot of people have a distorted thinking about God, about the Bible, a misconception, and just, you get what I'm saying. They twisted it because of the people who taught them. And they, they haven't really been taught it. That's another thing. So, like, this is what this chapter in this book's talking about, like our methods of storytelling. See, we're not doing a great job of storytelling and telling people about the gospel, about the Bible, about everything in it, everything in it. Now we we focus and hold in on a lot of things way too much. Like Justin, you can name some books of the Bible and some characters in the Bible that we talk about all the time and probably talk about too much. Like we could talk about Jesus as much as we want. Like that's the only okay one. Like but everybody else, like we talk about David way too much. We probably know more about David than anybody. And I would even say Moses, but no, they don't really know Moses. They just know the Red Sea story. Or like, they barely know that they were captives and slaves in Egypt. I didn't even know that as a kid. I just knew the Red Sea, and he lifted up his staff, and it parted. That's it, right? But you don't know that it happened again, right? Like, literally, God, he works in the same way, but a different way throughout any, every generation. 
but you don't know that if you don't read the Bible. Like he did, we know what happened with Moses, the Red Sea experience, you know, the Israelites were captives in Egypt. And then God said, let my people go, go tell Pharaoh that. And y'all already know all that. Moses did all that. And so then it came to a point to where they were stuck at the Red Sea and they didn't know how they were going to cross. Like it was a dead end. And God said, lift up your staff. I gave you a staff. What's in your hand, Moses? Like we talk about all the time on, on my YouTube channel. All right. So Moses lifted up his staff and the Red Sea parts, right? So we know that story. And then, the, uh, uh, you know, Pharaoh and his horsemen and all of them try to chase them. They die in the Red Sea because, you know, the Red Sea closes. It's just for the Israelites to cross, not them. All right. But also in the. And I think it's in the book of Joshua when Joshua took over leading for you know as Moses' predecessor. Is that what it's called? Justin a predecessor? Um predecessor? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so Joseph took over for being leading the Israelites after Moses. And they had the same experience. I forgot what river it was, like the Jordan River or Nile River, something like that. But the they had to cross this the sea as well. And Joseph parted it. For them across, just like Moses did. Like, so we see stories like that in the Bible, how they're parallels. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, throughout the Bible, there's a lot of parallels, a lot of similarities, a lot of stories being told the same exact way, but in a different way with different people, a different group of people. Like, but it's a different experience, right? Because why? Why? Because God wants to show every generation that I'm still God. God wants to show that I'm with you like I was with them. Like God wants to show that I can still do miracles even in your lifetime. And even though you didn't get to experience what your ancestors experienced, I can make sure you experience them too. Mm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, so God ain't just a God of the past. No, he's the God of the present. He's the God of the future. He's a God of all time. Right. And so that's why the Bible does it. So there's a lot of parallels in the Bible that are like that. Like the same story being told in a different way, a different light with a different group of people experiencing the same exact thing that the other group of people experience their ancestors so the israelites experience a lot of that right so um yeah that's that's what i want to throw out there but yeah justin you have anything man i'm talking forever man like really that makes me um i'm gonna skip to like probably one of my stronger points that you said but like um you got to know your audience or you said something like that like you can't really tell a story like if you don't really know the people that you're telling it to as well like, if you don't get out into the world, like, you don't know what can relate to them. I think, like, that's the epitome of, like, why Jesus came down to earth. So he could uh, connect. I, I wouldn't say. So he could connect with people on the earth and, like, tell stories that relate to them. Mm. I said before, like, any stories that have to do with shepherds or agriculture, like, he told them because that's directly what relates to people like them. And like that lets people connect with them better as well. Like it's very, something I appreciate about like what Jesus did is like so many other religions, you just see like God's passed their judgment on a mountaintop or somewhere that's out of reach. But throughout the old, like even before Jesus, throughout the old Testament, like Jesus or God connected to people on the earth. Like he knew their situation. He knew what, they needed to do to find kind of help themselves. And then Jesus came and like, like that, that's like the God coming down to earth is like the best, the ultimate way for them to be able to connect with God. 
So that's what we're trying to do with our stories as well. Is like, how can we help people connect with God? But like, as Jesus said, we need to be in the world, not but not of the world. And like being in the world, which is what the church needs to do, especially, lets us under, like, understand like what they're going through. Like people are not going to care what you have to say if they don't think that you actually care about them. What's that saying? Uh, people don't want, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think that's word. Um, right. We, and like there, it's impossible for us to show sympathy or empathy if it doesn't look like we actually know what someone's going through. Like we can pretend like we are high and mighty, but like the best way to like uh, connect with someone is through empathy or to understand how they feel or to walk a mile in their shoes. And stay, same with the storytelling. If we don't update our storytelling to like what really connects people, then it's not, uh, I mean, it's not going to like uh, hit home for them or resonate with them. It's, right. I don't know. I, I just always appreciate pastors or people of the church who are able to spin a good story because mm -hmm. that makes it more relatable that helps me picture okay this is a situation that's going on and this is how it applies to a biblical teaching or an old testament teaching so i think that's what the fourth chapter of this book is really trying to hit home is like in order like the story like new form like new forms of storytelling aren't just to bring people into the church which is good we want people to um join the community but really the new forms of storytelling are ways for us to connect with people better and then it goes from there right yeah i guess this is i guess we're in chapter four and five instead of chapter two because the excerpts i got from uh, the book are literally talking about uh just being a creative storyteller right and so it's new ways of storytelling that's what i taught today's video so like basically like justin said and like i was trying to convey is like the world's doing a great job of telling better they're doing a better job of telling stories than the church is and what's sad is the church has the best stories the, the church has stories that will change and alter everything in your life to a better life right like uh, a purposeful more purposeful life a life driven by a life that is even more valuable and usable like and more beneficial to everybody because it glorifies god it's going to point people to god it's going to point people to the only source that could really satisfy them right like these stories in the bible like these are the best stories ever right it's the same stories, but do we tell all of them no like that's what i was trying to say like and it, i say this all the time on my youtube channel like what would happen if we knew the bible like we know our names like you know your name very well if anybody said your name you're just gonna look because it's a habit because you're used to hearing it so imagine if you knew the bible like that like do you know about shipper and poor do you know about amos do you know about obadiah do you know about uh king zedekiah or like i don't even know if he was a king or king uh jehoshaphat like you know uh there's so many people in the bible so many characters right but how many do you really know right and then how many sermons do you hear preached on it? And then how how great is the church doing as a whole, guys? Because we're the we're the body of Christ. It's everybody. Every church is all linked together at the end of the day. Like, you know what I'm saying? At least we should be, right? If we're all in the body of Christ, right? So if that's the case, like, how are we doing in our method of storytelling? 
to reach the world. Like the best, what's who who has the best method of storytelling right now in this world? To me, it's Disney Channel, hands down, because they could take one movie and it can it's the same exact story being told, right? But everybody can get something different from it, can glean a different revelation from it. But it's the same revelation, but it's just deep. It just depends on how deep you go, right? Like how much did you really watch it? How much did you study it? Like me and Justin did a video on the movie Inside Out. That movie's so deep, right? Same thing with the movie Encanto. Like the movie's even deeper. So like there's so many movies, so many stories that if we tell the story in the right way, it could bring out the best in everybody, right? It can bring out a revelation that would really change your life that you would apply. What do you think the Bible should do? Right, like the Bible's even more so like that, right? So I'm gonna take a few excerpts, unless you want to say something, Justin, after that. But um, yeah, man, you just made me think about that, like how, um, yeah, you made me think about that after what you said. I gotta remember what you said. <laughs> but I'm gonna go ahead and read this excerpt from the book. So it's in, this is from chapter five, and chapter five is titled "A uh, Biblical Foundations for Creative Change." So like, I'll break that down in a minute, but. I'm going to read what she said on page 114. So same page of what I read before, but this is going further down, I think. So be a creative storyteller. This is what I titled this excerpt. So we know that the Bible is full of magnificent stories. We have learned from our explorations of Genesis and Daniel just how creative those stories are. Some biblical narratives borrow, borrow from existing popular genres and give them their own twist, right? All right. The next part says, we saw that in the apocalypse, while echoing prophecies and other eschatological traditions is nevertheless a new type of literature that emerges in the Second Temple Judaism and particularly flourishes under the stress of the intensifying persecutions. While the core relationship between God and Israel stays constant, the new circumstances of new days require new stories and new means of storytelling for understanding and conveying that relationship. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and stop there. I'm gonna just focus on this. So, like in today's time period, this is a new age. It has never been whatever today's date is. Today's day is Sunday, December 10, 2023. It has never been today's date, but it has been past dates before, right? So, what new circumstances and new days and new ways of storytelling are we gonna convey to the rest of the world? Because it has to be conveyed, right? It has to be be told. So, how are we teaching the Bible? Right now, we're teaching it in the same exact ways that we taught it in the 50s, in the 20s, in Jim Crow time period, in slavery time period, in Jesus' time period. Like, can we still preach it the same way? Yeah, in a way, but no, it has to change the style because it's not the same audience, it's not the same time period, right? So you have to be creative in your storytelling. We can't keep on saying the same exact stories. I mean, telling the same exact stories in the same exact ways and expect different results. Mm. We, it, it's not going to happen. Right. You can't preach, you know, these seven year olds. What reaches 70 year olds is not going to reach a 10 year old. What reaches a 10 year old, probably it can still reach adults because it's so adults can just just, you know, stuff simplified like that's more easy to pick up on for adults. But you guys get what I'm saying. Like we can't preach the same exact way for every single generation. Every generation is different. Right. And that's what this video is talking about. This is what we're focusing in on in today's video. Like in order for the church to thrive and the church to reach new heights and reach the heights that the world is reaching right now and like shatter those heights and make God the forefront. Like our method of storytelling has to be on steroids. Like right now, the Avengers is crapping on the Bible. And that's sad. 
Uh, it should not be the case. Right now, uh, Marvel is killing, mm. killing all the pastors. Like, what pastor do you know measured up to Marvel? You know what I'm saying? Like, none. The world has us beat. This strip club. Let's go ahead and go there. Like, you know what I'm saying? I ain't never been to a strip club. Probably, I don't know if I can even go in there. I tried one time. I couldn't even go in. Like, because, like, it's just not for me. Right? <laughs> so, but, like, you see what I'm saying? Like, the world's method of storytelling is just, they're, it's so interesting, man. It's so intriguing. Like, it gets you. It gets you hooked. Like, it entices everybody. So, if that's the case, like, how is the church, how are we preaching the gospel? How are we singing our songs? How are we worshiping God in a way that's enticing? I mean, should it be enticing, though, Justin? You know what I'm saying? Like some people would even say that they would say, man, it shouldn't be enticing like that. That's God. But like if you're trying to reach people for Christ, I mean, people try to reach you to, you know, to get you to buy a house, you know, buy a house or the, you know, how, how many advertisers do you get? Like, you know, on YouTube, it's advertisers now. I remember just you remember the day, the days of YouTube, we can watch a YouTube video and there was no advertisements at all. Yeah, that was long. those were the days. Right, and nobody even knows that now. But like now, everything has ads. Even Netflix has ads. You have to pay Netflix and Hulu to make sure that the ad feature is not even available anymore. And how long will that last? I mean, one day it's gonna come. Like you have to watch ads, right? Because commercials. Like you know, what are they advertising? Like all that's what life's all about. Life's all about advertisement. It's all about marketing, right? So are we marketing and advertising Jesus? Like I can tell you now, with the ME Church. Justin, did you know what AME was before I even said anything no, I didn't. about not until you so, find it now? Right. Most people don't even know that denomination even exists. But the AME church, like they got something stuck up their butt and just think they're so prideful and arrogant and haughty about their religion that they think like, you know, they're the religion. They're the religion. Like out of all religions, they're the religion. I mean, but everybody feel like that about their religion. But like nobody knows who you are. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't even know you're relevant. So why are you so haughty? Why are you so prideful about it? Like, so yeah, just I'll let you go ahead and talk. Do you got anything to talk about with that or anything? Yeah, else? I really liked what you were saying too. Like, uh, and that was an excerpt from the book. It was just saying that even though the relationship between God and the people are going to be the same, the what was it like the storytelling template, or like the days or the situation? I forgot what you're saying. The like. The days or the situation. Oh, the, yeah, the situations change though. Like the the day, like the uh, connection with God may be the same, but the days and how they go about are going to be unique. They're very different. So we have to recognize like how like how they like how they're different. Like oh, uh, I don't know. And I feel like that's a. Uh, I feel like that's you could say that about like. And I'm going to backtrack to something you said way back before. That's kind of like how we lose connection with newer generations as well, because what is it? We're on Generation Z now, and it's coming up with Alpha and Beta or whatever. I guess we're going into the Greek alphabet. That's news to me. But, um, yeah, I feel like that's how parents don't really connect, understand their kids in order to, like, teach them the proper lessons. And to be fair, like, it's not the parents' job to be friends with their kids they have a responsibility to take care of them make sure they grow up and in a way the church is kind of the same as well the church is not trying to be hip or cool or make friends well sorry they should be making friends don't get me wrong but they're not they don't need to be trying to be hip or cool or 
pulling in numbers because, or I don't know, like engage in new storytelling for the sake of just trying to look like they are in the know or look like they are connected with the young group or if they're, if they're like, cool. Um, I feel like that does demean the message to an extent if they go into it with the, like the wrong reasons, like the reason, like Jesus should always be the reason, like first and foremost, like he should, like he should be the basis of the storytelling. Like the storytelling is going to change, but we can't just change it because we don't change it just because of the people though. Uh, I'm not wording this well. We, we want to change it in a way that people can connect to Jesus. Like if the, if it doesn't resonate with them, that, I mean, that's fair. That that's going to happen like a lot of times, but we need to be careful, like how we do our storytelling, because if our intent, we can do like, we can do good intentions, but with the wrong method, like very easily. Yeah. So um, I feel like I've said, I, I feel like I've said too much on the topic anyway, so I'll just kind of wrap up there. But yeah, I think it is important to recognize that um, like we need to, we do need to like understand the generation and adapt our storytelling, but our basis should be like, what's the, how what is our relationship with god at that time like how has it evolved how has it changed from generation to generation in our culture today right and that's the thing like our relationship with god it should not be the same as the people in moses time period in david's day even in jesus's time period you see what i'm saying like it should have evolved it should have innovated with the times a little bit you see what i'm saying only because we have more revelations like we have more scrolls than they had. We have more technology. So like we have more, just in a biblical sense so with the Bible, like we have more books of the Bible to read from, to glean from in different, in different translations and different languages to reach any and everybody from in any culture, any generation. You see what I'm saying? So we just have way more. It basically, God's not going to hold anybody accountable for stuff they don't know. He's going to hold everything accountable, everybody accountable for what they do know and what he, they've been presented. So that's how he's a fair and just God. So in a sense, like in that sense, we Americans, at least, I can only speak for Americans. We have all the Bibles in the world. We have all the translations in the world. We have way more scrolls to go from than the, even the disciples did because they had to write them. Right. You know, so, I'm saying? so like we just have so much to be responsible for. Because we have, we we've been told so many things, right? So um, just in that sense, right? Like our we have so much to go from that our method of storytelling should be way better, right? Because we have way more stories to glean from, way more characters in the Bible to to base our lives on, so and to apply in our lives. You see what I'm saying? Like of what not to do and what to do for God, right? So yeah, like we live in a great time period that's why like i thank god every single time you know when i think about it like i mean i live in a pretty good time period i'm, I'm not living in jim crow time i'm not living in slavery time period i'm not living where they didn't have air conditioning because that would suck like you know <laughs> like i'm living in, in a pretty good time period and with technology i don't know if you guys can tell but i love i love social media i love i love doing youtube videos and stuff so like that's my that's this is my arena this is a great time period to be in and I can read. I could not imagine. 
You know, slaves couldn't read. Like that, that's that that just blows my mind. Then on top of that, Justin, one thing I learned in just from seminary school, from one of the books we had to read, like when it came to the slave ships and just slaves in general, I did not know that slaves, um, I did not know that the white man was smart enough to keep slaves separated from people who spoke the same languages with each other. So that didn't, I didn't, it didn't really come to my mind, but people in Africa, they all speak different languages. So you get, if you're in a different tribe, you speak a different language than people in the other tribes. So like the white man was smart enough to not pair up slaves that spoke in the same languages or were in the same tribes. So that's why there was never like a slave revolt, even though slaves outnumbered the white people tremendously. Like I was always like, man, why don't we just revolt? Because they couldn't communicate with each other. They didn't know what to say to each other. And on top of that, they couldn't, most of them couldn't, all of them couldn't read. Let's just say that the facts. They weren't taught English, right? They just heard, heard it. So like if they're not taught it, just imagine how awful that would have been. But we live in a time period where we could read, we could write, mm -hmm. we got the Bible. Like we don't have an excuse. So like our method of storytelling should be on steroids compared to everybody else. We're going to talk about in our next video how there was a low literacy rate back in Jesus' time period. Like people in that day, barely anybody read. Only the elite could read. Only people who were priests or scribes, you know, they literally went to school for it, could read. But everybody else, I mean, the social elites could read, but everybody else could not read. We take things for granted a lot in life. And because we take things for granted and because we don't know the stories like Justin was saying earlier, we we can't reach people. With, we can't reach people with what we don't know. We only re we try to reach people. This is what we try to do. We try to reach people based on what we think and what we've been taught. We don't reach people based off experience and what we've actually gleaned and obtained ourselves. So that's why the people aren't, aren't turned on by church and people don't want to go to church. They want anything to do with church. Because the people telling and preaching the Bible and telling these stories about the Bible, they're not, they don't, they don't, they just limit the Bible and put it in a little box and they don't really understand the box that it's in or what it's for. You see what I'm saying? So like, yeah, so I'm going to go back to the excerpt real quick, but Justin, you got something, go ahead, man. But um, one thing I was going to say with just this part um, Yeah, so like with the Bible, how the Bible was orchestrated, I know you guys don't get it because you guys didn't read the book. And Justin, you read it, so you know you know it now. But when it's talking about the book of Genesis and it's talking about the book of Daniel, it's talking about the apocalypse stories from the book of Daniel and the court stories and the – what was the other one, Justin? Court stories and the uh, – Flood stories? Flood stories, yeah. yeah. So the stories that are in the Bible that we know and love, like it was all taken from and borrowed from popular dramas, popular, popular stories that were told back in their time period, right? And so they took these different stories that were popular in, in their time period, in their culture, in their world, and they made it applicable with the Bible, right? With God to teach them how God works, how God operates and stuff like that. So that's how the Bible came into being. So that's what the author said, that the, how the Bible came to be, right? Through scribes taking the stories from their day and being able to relate it with the people in their day. And because they did that, because it was so relatable, now it relates to everybody in every generation, every time period, because they did what it took to relate to the people of their time period, right? And so basically we're doing this video to convey to everybody like, man, you got to, 
really make sure what you're teaching and your method of storytelling mm. and, it, and you got to make sure what you're teaching and speaking every single Sunday to your churches or anybody, even your people in your household, they got to make sure it's relevant and it's relative to what everybody's experiencing. Because if it is, it's going to reach even more people. It's going to last throughout all generations and all time periods. Like you can't tell me everything Martin Luther King said and preached. Like we got his sermons, we got his messages. You can't tell me they won't apply to today's time period. They will, because like they are so applicable mm. to the people in his time period, in his day, in his generation. So when you do that, when you just put in the work to relate to everybody, when you put in the work to relate to the people in your time period, then it's going to reach the masses in the future as well. And that's what the Bible does. And the Bible literally through how the this, this whole video is made and, and we're doing this because we're trying to convey to you guys like, the way that the method, the way that the Bible came about in, into being is a sermon in and of itself, right? It's something that we could apply to our lives. So like the way how the scribes got these different scrolls and put them all together and then it led to the English translation. Like it's a whole process, guys. Like it didn't just come into being. And that's how some people's faith is. They just think that it's just here and this is how it is. No, like do some research behind how the Bible came into being. Do some research behind how the translations came into be, the different translations came to be. Do some research behind how the flood stories came to be. You may get, you may, you may even get another insight, another revelation about God, because it's another method of storytelling of pointing to him and how good he is and how we got what we got today because of him, right? So, like, yes, I want I highlight this part from the book on page 114. Like some biblical narratives borrow from existing popular genres and give their own twist. So have you been given your own twist on the Bible? And that's, see, in the Bible says, don't add and subtract to his word. Nobody's saying do that. We're saying the method of storytelling. So you don't have to preach about David all the time. And you don't have to just talk about the good side of David. You can talk about the bad sides of David and still preach a good sermon. You can preach about how he left Jerusalem, you know, because his son was trying to kill him, Absalom. And so in the process of doing that, we don't know who majority of his children are really like, you know, who are the children and the wives that he left? We don't know half of his wives, majority of them. He left wives and children there in Jerusalem. You know, when Tamar was raped, he didn't go see Tamar. He went to go see the son, Amon. I think that was his name. He went to go see Amon, the son that raped Tamar instead. Like that says a lot about David, right? Why don't we talk about that? See, David had flaws, but we always just focus on him slinging a slingshot and killing Goliath with one rock, right? We don't talk about how he had five rocks. Why did he have five rocks? Was, was he afraid he's gonna miss? No, Goliath had brothers. Why don't we ever talk about that? Goliath had brothers, guys. It was five of them at least, because he had five stones ready for him. <laughs> so five people that are 10 feet tall. Why do you think the Israelites are scared? You think they're just scared of Goliath? No. <laughs> so yeah, man, like just see, just getting those kind of, create see be creative in your storytelling that's one of the suggestions that the author gave like we can't keep on telling the same stories when there's so many other stories to tell so many people in the bible that aren't being preached about that aren't being talked about right i just named some of them right like shifra and Pua, the two midwives that saved moses right and a lot of egyptian babies when pharaoh literally gave them the order to kill all the babies I don't know why he did it. I, I, no, because they were growing in power. Because the Egyptians were scared that the Israelites were about to outnumber them, about to overpower them. So he said, start killing the babies 
And he told these two midwives, it doesn't say if the midwives were Egyptian or Israelite, because it doesn't matter, because it was wrong. And they had the love of God in them. It was like, man, we're going to save some of these babies. So in the process of that, in Exodus chapter one, that story was talking about Moses to start off Moses' story. That's how he became alive, right? He should have been dead. He said, kill all the Israelite babies. You think you're going to you think you're gonna uh, listen, not listen to an order from the king, the pharaoh of all of Egypt? You're gonna, because what are the consequences of not doing that? But they were, it's the midwives were more scared of God than they were of the pharaoh. So you see what I'm saying, guys? Like, there's so many people stories in the Bible that need to be talked about, need to be told, and we, we don't tell them, and we don't figure out the ways that we should be telling them. How are you gonna reach anybody if you don't even know these stories? You keep on saying the stories you barely know, right? So. Yeah, that's the video. So, Justin, you got anything else, man? Yeah, I guess just a small thing I have to say is, like, I do like that excerpt that you had where I was saying, like, a good storyteller is able to say the same story with, like, a twist. And that is true. Like, you actually, there are, like, um, in literature, they're called, like, archetypes or, like, um, where they have, like, very specific beats to a story. Like, the hero's journey is, like, the oldest story you can think of and it goes by like a formula but people fit find like new ways to express that and that makes them very valuable but i guess like we also have to like warn ourselves on stories that the world can spin as well because they also know the formulas they know the stories like if you look at religions that came after christianity you see that they copy they copy they try to copy a lot of the stories that the bible already had um, I forgot what I forgot what some of them are. It's some of it say like uh, like a flood happens on the earth or um, a God comes down to earth and has disciples and stuff like that. So you see you see the world try to copy they try to copy maybe bi biblical stories or they try to portray their own message using the same story. And that can be very dangerous because the Bible does say, um, like, I forgot what what characteristic it is exactly, but like deceit, like the woman that was opposite of wisdom, like deceit can have like lips like honey or like words that are as smooth as oil. Like they they seem good, but then you find out like the woman is, is only misleading you. It, she leads you to darkness and to like... Um, things that are detrimental to you so we do have to be very careful that even if we like pay attention to stories that are interesting we have to find out like recognize what's the truth that's being told as well like Acts 17 11 it said like now the burying jews were of noble character for they heard what paul said and tested to see if it was uh to see if it was true like they weren't naive they didn't just they didn't just like listen to what they still listened to Paul, but they didn't like take it at value until like they saw how fruitful it could be. The same thing with like the world stories too. If like people are saying, Oh, it's fine to have like, uh, how, how can you like marry someone if you don't really know them? And that's an excuse to like move in with them or have sex with them or skip a lot of steps that God would have for us that he knows are good for us. And you see like people getting divorced more often or like break or like more breakups or like, I don't know, like a, what was the st statistic? They found that moving in together actually increases 
the chances of getting divorced or something like that. But the world has you to has you believe like, oh no, it's like this is the way to go. So we do have to be very careful on like um, the stories that we listen to, the morals that the world is trying to sell us, because we're trying to we're trying to come up with new storytelling methods to portray the truth. But if those stories don't have the truth, then like they're just fancy words. So we always have to be very careful about that. Right. This is a good video. I'm going to end it, man. I wanted to say way more on all this, but I can just save it for another video. We already had time anyways. But oh, yeah. Guys, yeah. You, you, you good, Justin, on this video? I realize we're at an hour already until you said something. Right. Did you say everything you want to say on like being a creative storyteller? Yeah, I think so. At least my major yeah. points. Yeah. So guys, that's the question though. Like for you and your ministry, whatever ministry that is, I mean, it could just be loving on your kids mm. and being a good wife, good husband. It could be being a good husband, a good wife to your spouse. I mean, whatever your ministry is. So like, how is your method of storytelling? Are you creative in your method of storytelling when it comes to reaching people for Jesus, when it comes to reaching people for Christ? So if you're not creative and you're mundane and boring, don't expect anybody to like be enticed by what you're trying to sell them. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're trying to sell people. You're trying to sell people and market Jesus, market the Bible. You're trying to tell people this is what you need. So you're really a salesman at the end of the day, right? We're all salesmen trying to win people over to Christ in this business of soul saving. So how is your storytelling going? and trying to sell people the gospel. Mm. And so the author for her book was just saying, you can't, it's a certain way you have to tell the stories of the Bible. So are you measuring up to that standard or are you lowering the bar? Like, do you try to sell the gospel to people or are you just, you know, talking about the stories and whoever listens, listens. Because honestly, in my eyes, if you don't put everything into something, you're not gonna get anything out of it. If you put crap in, that's what you're going to get out of it. But if you put everything you have into something, I feel like your chances increase of winning, right, than losing. Like, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah, where are you at with that? So that's today's video, guys. New ways of storytelling. There's new ways that, that the gospel has to be preached in the day's time period. Mm. So what are you doing to do that? So in our next video, we're going to talk about the new ways of storytelling, part two. So it still relates. So. Yeah, and what methods and what new ways can you do and stuff like that. So that's the next video. But yeah, guys, you guys know the drill. I hope you guys enjoy this video. If you really do, you can go to my YouTube channel for even more and my podcast, Upload Past Crossroads, my Facebook, LinkedIn, Sean Christopher Jenkins, my ex, my Twitter page, Snap, Instagram, TikTok, Thresh, Trouble Don't Last, my other Instagram page, my underscore, Dan underscore, Bible, my Tumblr page, Trouble Don't Last, number one. And down my YouTube channel, like I say all the time, we got a lot of playlists on here. A lot of videos. We put in a lot of work on my YouTube channel and on Justin's, by the way. So uh, my YouTube channel is Upload Past Crossroads. Justin's is Chaplin's Logs. And when you go to our YouTube channels, make sure to subscribe. After you subscribe, click the bell so you're notified anytime we upload another video. And then like, make sure to like, comment, and share every single video. And then on my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads, you scroll down. I have a section called Our Podcast. If you enjoy hearing me and Justin talk, you can hear us talk way more here. We got up to 90 videos on here we may do something special for our 100th video i don't know think, but right we need to and then we need to like, like have 100 behind us like 100 balloons <laughs> not 100 balloons but like the number 100 yeah yeah <laughs> right
And then uh, I have a playlist on my YouTube channel titled, you know, The Old Testament for a Complex World. So this is the book review we're doing on this book. And then if you want to hear us do even more book reviews, I have a playlist titled Book Reviews, Book Breakdowns. You can watch us breaking down even more books. So hopefully we inspired you to read that book a little bit. Um, the book is, again, um, The Old Testament for a Complex World, How the Bible's Dynamic Testimony Points to New Life for the Church by Karen B.R. Howard. And then make sure to befriend us on Facebook. Here goes Justin Facebook page, Justin Lee Howe. All right, if you send us a DM we'll uh, and you answer it, you ask us a question we'll answer your question on a video like we do all the time on youtube to uh make sure we break down your uh question and stuff like that but all right guys we'll talk to you guys later